0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland.
1: Divorces don't begin when they call on the divorce lawyer. Divorces start long before that with divisive words one to the other, back and forth. No healing, no forgiveness, no peacemaking. Just, you did this, you did that. That's a divorce in the making. Children who want nothing more to do with their parents, they don't like even listening to their parents anymore. Where did that start from? The rift began a long time ago with constant criticism, constant sharp criticism and not working on the relationship.
0: The things in life that divide people aren't typically centered around one encounter. Pastor Tom just mentioned events like divorce and the severed relationship between parent and child. The same could be said for friendships that drift apart. It likely wasn't one conversation that caused the rift, but several over a span of time. Pastor Tom reminds you today how each word you speak carries power with it, the power to heal or the power to harm. Think before you speak and aim to heal what's been broken. Now here's Pastor Tom in the book of James chapter 3 as he continues his message, wielding your tongue for good or for ill.
1: The tongue destroys. The tongue Destroys. And this is this is really quite a description here. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body, and sets on fire the course of our life. And look at this last description, and is set on fire by Gehenna, hell. Wow. The first two illustrations, horse and ship, well, that could be positive or that could be negative. Here, though, James really exposes the evil and dangerous and burning and destructive and worldly influence of the tongue. And he chooses a raging fire as the next illustration. This is not a refiner's fire here, brothers. This is a raging, destructive, consuming, and burning fire. Fire like a forest fire the tongue can become. A fire which defiles the entire body. A fire which burns the course of our life. A fire which finds its fiery source in the fires of hell. Brothers and sisters, you will not find in all of the Bible a more negative description of the tongue than right here in James 3. What power, what destructive power. James, again, issues an invitation. Come on, look and see, just like he did with the ships. In this case, sometimes the greatest lessons in life are learned when we look at something we don't want to look at at all. It's something ugly. It's something evil. It's something we'd rather turn our heads away from. But some of the best lessons are when parents force their kids to look at a mess they made and ask them, why is it this way? Or look at something that just got ruined and say, why is it this way? And it's kind of what God is doing in this passage. Think about what the tongue can do. Focus. I know you want to turn your head away and you don't want to listen to this. But listen, you're going to learn a great lesson here. It's important. Hopefully, you'll look at this and say, I never want to be like that. I never want my tongue to be like that. I don't want to be around somebody like that. This is terrible. This is just awful. And this is what James is attempting to do here. See how great a forest, a hule, a forest. Actually, that term can mean a stack of lumber or it can refer to the entire forest. I think in this context, it favors the whole forest idea because his point is that it's very destructive It's something very notable, and a little burning of a stack of wood wouldn't be all that notable. So he's talking about a forest fire, basically. Now, knowing the vegetation in the land of Israel, don't picture yourself giant sequoias here, you know, or or redwoods. Think of a lot of uh, bushes and brush and things like that that can get very dry in the dry season, but also can ignite very quickly. They have a drier climate, much like you'd see in California. And so picture that in your mind, a lot of thick shrubbery growing along hillsides, maybe some trees mixed in there. That's how it often is out west, and that's how often the fires get started. A little flame happens, it starts, it jumps into some bushes, and it spreads until hopefully it reaches one of the fire breaks that are there. And then it's very dry, and because it's very dry, and because there's a lot of bush, because that's in abundance, then the fire can spread quickly. James describes it as being set aflame. So you light it, and then it really just sets aflame. It could really get going quickly. A little bit of wind blowing in behind it, and it's worse, right? All of a sudden, the whole forest becomes a tinderbox, very combustible. And it can all start, James's point is, it can all start, and often does start, not with a large fire, but a small one. One match, one match. Striking, dropped in the wrong spot, can start a burning that can't be stopped. Thousands of firefighters will be needed, helicopters dropping their water on it. That's the picture we have out west. One match, one campfire that was left alone, one misplaced torch, thousands, tens of thousands of consumed acres. Terrible, ruining habitat for everybody. Terribly destructive. All right, for you, picture the beautiful forest that you saw in the way to church today. All of the colors and just maybe you've stood in front of one this past week and you heard the birds singing and it's just beautiful and the wind's blowing through the tree. Now imagine a forest fire coming through that and you're standing in exactly the same spot. Now what do you see? It's all charcoal, right? It's still smoldering. The smoke is coming up and that beautiful scene with all those animals, that lovely forest, it's now all gone. It's all burned. What's left? That's the destructiveness of a fire. That's the destructiveness of a tongue, can be. And it all just starts with one word, one match. That's the illustration. Verse 6 ties the comparison to the tongue. Just as you see the destructive nature of fire unleashed, so the tongue can cause that kind of damage. Don't think so? Think about it a little more. I found a lot of comparisons between fire and the tongue, and I don't, know, I don't know all the ways in which James meant them here. I found four, and uh, maybe there's more, but I want to give them to you. First, fire, once unleashed, can't be controlled. Once you unleash fire, it's not like it's something you could quickly gather back in again. Once fire gets going, particularly if it's got the right kind of stuff to burn, you can't control it anymore, right? And that's why if you're around the backyard grill or you're in the home with the You know, the kitchen, everything has to be controlled. Everything has to be controlled before it gets out of control. Once it's out of control, then there's a problem. So it has to be controlled there in the kitchen, the backyard grill, when camping. It all has to be controlled. You have to think it through ahead of time before you do it, right? Fire can't be left alone. That's very dangerous to do that. So also the tongue has to be controlled. Not part of the time, all the time. If you control it part of the time and not the other time, it can still let loose and burn. Correct? Am I right? Am I right? It always has to be controlled. The same with fire. Fire is always looking to get out of bounds. And so the tongue is too. Fire is always looking to to jump and get going and do what it wants to do and have its fun. And so the tongue is as well and it has to be controlled all the time. I relate this to when Christians disagree. When is it hardest To control the tongue. Answer, when Christians disagree. No, it really has to be controlled. We have to be very careful what we say. It's okay to disagree. We just have to be careful as we talk to one another. I relate this to criticisms also. It's okay to criticize. Sometimes criticism is needed and spurs people on to something greater. Criticism in and of itself is not wrong. But it has to be done very carefully. It has to be done with understanding. Those who criticize without considering the timing, the tone, the mood of the person in front of them, they just foolishly aggravate other people and their criticism falls on deaf ears or worse, it burns. So timing and tone matter. Well, there's another parallel. I think secondly, that uncontrolled fire spreads rapidly, right? What happens when now you realize the fire in the forest is well, it's out of control now. What do you try to do? You try to stomp it out with your feet or something. Get your jacket and beat it out. Find some dirt, pour on it. If there's any water, get some water. But it's too late. It's already spreading. And as you're stomping on the fire, it's just sending up the sparks elsewhere. And then the wind comes and it's now going to spread rapidly. You just can't, it's out of hand. You can't contain it and it's going quickly. I relate this to gossip. Gossip spreads easily, fast, fast. I mean, Zoom, person to person. I'm just going to tell you this in confidence. But then they're going to tell two people in confidence. And the two are going to tell the four, and that's not confidence. Now things are spreading. I relate this to making insinuations against people's character. Better never to share something unsubstantiated or dropping these unprovable comments. Hold them back. Don't say them at all well, I can't prove this, but I think what was happening is, no, I relate this to keeping confidences. Someone confides in you a secret. I'm not saying that they are murdered someone or something. Like that. They've confided a secret in you. You start spreading it around, then the damage to your friend's reputation is already done. It goes quickly. You can't take the words and put them back in the bottle. It will never work. You're flying across the landscape. Even worse now is the internet. There's a reason why we say it's going viral, like a germ, like a virus blowing everywhere, and everyone's now got it, and a reputation is ruined. A third parallel is that fire burns. Well, that's obvious. Fire burns. I relate this to wrongful accusations or slander. Someone's reputation can be torn down by the tongue. Did you know that so-and-so was in sin? No, I didn't know that. Tell me more about it. It's a wrongful, unjust stain on their reputation. Don't even have the facts right. Assumed more than you could. Wrongly labeled sin as something that wasn't sin. Slander is a devilish thing. I say that because the word devil means the slanderer. The greatest tool the devil has is slander first words out of the mouth of the devil in genesis is slander against god's character what satan tries to do to workers of the gospel today is to slander them we have to defend the reputation of christians not jump all over and when someone in the media says so and so is bad slander hurts it burns Jezebel used slander and it led to Naboth's unjust execution in 1 Kings 21. Remember that? Proverbs 16, 27 says, A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like a scorching fire. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Fire burns. Also, fourth, a fourth parallel. Fire leaves a path of destruction. Years it takes for a forest to be rebuilt, right? Now, it's interesting how nature is able to recover quickly and it's able to, things are starting to grow again. I've seen that out west. But even so, I mean, a forest that was a beautiful forest and now it's burned down. It's gonna take years and years and years for that to be recovered to where it was before because there's a path of destruction behind it. And for a long time, there's gonna be that black soot, that dead pathway, The charred remains. People pull up in their car, get out. It's like, wow, I wonder what used to be here. Look at this. There's this this giant area of black, and it looks terrible. What happened here? How terrible the fire must have been. Years and years and years the forest grew, and in a matter of hours it was all burned down. That's what the tongue can do. Someone builds up their reputation for years and years and years, In a matter of minutes, someone wrongly tears it down. That's the power of words. So often, wars begin with a war of words. Did you know that? Begin with a war of words. Divorces don't begin when they call on the divorce lawyer. Divorces start long before that with divisive words, one to the other, back and forth. No healing, no forgiveness, no peacemaking. Just, you did this, you did that. That's a divorce in the making. Children who want nothing more to do with their parents. They don't like even listening to their parents anymore. Where did that start from? The rift began a long time ago with constant criticism, constant sharp criticism and not working on the relationship. Friendships don't get broken because of one comment. They come because comment upon comment happens and then comes that one really harsh comment unresolved squabbles proverbs 11:9 says with his mouth the godless man destroys his neighbor but through knowledge the righteous will be delivered how do churches split in one congregational meeting no way they begin with the whispers that happen back in the small groups or the whispers that happen on the telephone that's where they began tongues that powerful well, notice next, and we'll, we'll go to this and we'll stop. The tongue is called and said to be the very world of iniquity. This, this is amazing. The tongue is said to be the very world of iniquity. A very interesting construction in Greek. The tongue is a world of iniquity. What is that? The tongue is a world of sin. Does that help? The tongue is a world of adakias, unrighteousness. Ah, kiosk, excuse me, unrighteousness. In other words, all the sinful aspects that you find out there in the cosmos, the world, the world system, the evil world system that we're in, everything that's out there, all the variety of sin that is out there, they're all contained in and tied to the tongue. The tongue gives vent to every worldly desire and idea. What you hear as part of the evil conversation of the unbelieving evil world system, that language of unbelief, that language of blasphemy, that language of injustice, that language of crass humor, law-breaking, sexual immorality, all of it finds expression in the tongue. Dirty, filthy tongue. 1 John 2.16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the cosmos, is from the world. And the world's passing away. And the human tongue takes all of that pride of life and covetousness of the eyes and lusts of the body, and it just gives word and expression to it. Dr. Hebert writes, since the tongue can play a part in all the sins in the world, it incorporates in itself the whole story of evil in this world. Dr. Tasker in the Tyndale series writes, in other words, all the evil characteristics of a fallen world, its covetousness, its idolatry, its blasphemy, its lust, its rapacious greed, find expression through the tongue. Now, we have to say again, the tongue expresses what's already in the what? The head and the heart. The mind, our thoughts, our desires, it's already there. That's a problem, it's already there. It's not like it originates with the tongue. It just comes out of the tongue. In Mark 7, Jesus said, that which proceeds out of the man is that which defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders and adulteries, deeds of covening and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride and foolishness. All these evil things proceed from within and come out is the point and then defile the man. The tongue expresses all the evil of the heart. And the heart is worldly. The heart loves the things of the world. The heart agrees with the things of the world. The heart, when the heart speaks, that's when the tongue is speaking. And so the false philosophies and the false religions come out of the tongue. The tongue expresses everything evil found in the world, all of it. It's like a bouquet of flowers you have on your table. It used to look pretty. Now it's all wilted and dead and ugly and brown, and it's just destroyed. The tongue expresses that full assortment of rotten and decaying ideas in the world. You can hear these ugly thoughts of the world expressed all the time from the mouth of fools. Who is a fool? Answer is anyone who does not fear God, Right? Anyone, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1, right? If there's someone who does not fear God, no matter how moral they think they are, no matter how nice of a citizen they are, no matter how hard they work at work, the Bible calls them fools. Because if there's one thing you're to learn in life, it is fear God. The day of judgment and reckoning is coming. So everybody out there that is giving their advice on the left and the right and the center, up and down, black and white, they're all fools if they don't fear God. And you need to know that because what comes out of their mouth is that worldly foolishness. Can't wait to get to chapter four of James because we're going to talk about what actual worldliness is. You know, sometimes we think of worldliness just as this thing or that thing. It's amazing what worldliness is. The Bible, the interesting thing about the Bible, the Bible is verbally inspired. Would you agree? It is plenary, that means the whole of the Bible, and verbally, down to the very words, really down to the letters, it's inspired by God. Men wrote it, but it didn't originate with men, it originated with God. God's Spirit moved these men to write. So what they wrote were His words, not their own. But contained in the Bible are some very, very wicked and evil words. They're purposefully put in the Bible by the Holy Spirit and they are also verbally inspired because they're the wicked words of blasphemous, evil, foolish men. And they're put into a certain context so we, the readers of the Bible and the students of the Bible, would understand, oh, this is a very bad philosophy. This is very wrong. This is evil. And they're put that way so that it would demonstrate that they're wicked. What was the advice That Job's wife gave to Job in the midst of all of his trials. She comes up next to him with all those sores all over his body and whispers out the very words of Satan, really, to Job and said, curse God and die. That's what Satan wanted Job to do. The rich fool, the rich fool, so you can be rich and a fool, built up all of his barns and he said, sit back soul, eat, drink and be merry. Look at all that you have. And Jesus said, thou fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of you. What are you going to do with all that you owned? Psalm 53, 1. The fool has said in his heart, what? There is no God. They want to say there is no God because they want no accountability. There's no logical reason for there not being a God. You can't even use logic without God. Psalm 10, For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire and the greedy man curses and spurns the Lord. The wicked and the haughtiness of his countenance does not seek him. All his thoughts are, there is no God. Deuteronomy 13, if your brother, your mother's son or your son or daughter or the wife you cherish or your friend who is as your own soul entice you secretly saying, let us go and serve other gods. He said, Don't listen to them. That's worldly. And in Israel, the law was to put them to death. Proverbs 1 My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, and here it gives vent to the worldly philosophy, Come with us. Let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We'll fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, don't listen. Don't go. And on and on it goes with the worldly mouth. Giving expression to worldly concepts. Hey, when does your mouth sound worldly? Have you ever caught yourself? Listen to yourself. You might be, well, I was listening to myself this past week and I didn't get angry at anybody. And I don't think I complained too much. Well, how about this one? We'll add this to the inventory. Is what's coming out of your mouth as advice for other people worldly? Be positive. Believe in yourself. What's coming out of your mouth? What do you really believe? Are you egging on lack of confidence in Christ, lack of need for Christ? Are you going on with little statements that someone says in the office place that's clearly worldly and has nothing to do with truth, and you're sort of amening it? What's coming out of your mouth? Are you just a passport and a transport for worldly philosophy because you lack the courage to say, Wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not true. What is true is. Or think of it this way. Every worldly thing that you hear around you is the potential for you to take that and transform that and give them God's view on it, right? Oh, the power of the tongue. Oh, the power of the tongue.
0: Pastor Tom has talked a lot today about how powerful your words can be. He shared how quickly things can get out of control simply because of what you have said. But he also shared that the words you say don't simply originate in your mouth. They come from your head and in your heart. thinking bad things about others it's just a matter of time before you say something dwell instead on jesus let him guide your thoughts and words with sad yet hope-filled hearts we want to let you know that pastor tom leek the voice you've been listening to today has gone home to be with jesus pastor tom served the lord faithfully here on earth for 24 years pastoring thousands and helping to create a network of like-minded churches in the mid-atlantic region He shared the gospel unashamedly, shining light into this dark world. Pastor Tom will be missed, but we rejoice that he is healed and with his Savior. If you would like to learn more about Pastor Tom and his legacy, visit hopebible.org. Now, here's a preview of the next edition of Discover Hope. God made our bodies, tongue included, for good. He wanted it to be used to give life, not to destroy it. Next time on Discover Hope, Pastor Tom will remind you that sin has corrupted everything God created to be good. We've allowed hateful speech and destructive gossip into our minds and out of our mouths. So what can we do about this? Pastor Tom has the solution. Draw near to God. Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit hopebiblechurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of James, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.